Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition Remix. I'm your host and one-third of the Kickers of Elves, Hugh Crawford. You can find me on Instagram at hubot underscore Crawford. Look me up there, it's a good time. Well, today we are going to revisit the episode, The Alternate. Uh, we, the Kickers of Elves, originally aired this on September 12th, 2016. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. Stick around after the episode for my uh, notes and commentary. Alright, thanks. See you then. What episode are the rules of acquisition doing tonight? Oh yeah. I'm trying to remember something about it. Oh yeah. Oh it's the one with Odo's hair origin. Oh yeah. It's time for the Rules of Acquisition. Hello and welcome again to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we'll be going through every single last episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> including this one. Including this one. The greatest, the greatest, uh, I got <laughs> You can't get the bat off your shoulder. This is pretty much the greatest uh, episode about Odo's dad. Yes, it, yeah. I, I don't know because there's another one, so I don't know. <laughs> I think this is better than the other one, but we can get into uh, that. Probably. I don't remember the other one, but you're, you're probably right. Exactly, exactly. You, you <laughs> remember this one, though. There's an alternate one about Odo's dad? Yeah, there's like a, he's in a second episode. Yeah. There's a, This episode is called what? The alternate. Oh! oh the alternate. Clever. Oh, oh, man. Can someone describe to me the t- title? Just start off here. Can somebody describe to me the title of this episode? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's kind of spoilers for the mystery of this episode, right? <laughs> okay. Because this, is- this episode is a full mystery horror movie, the way I saw it. Right. This, this episode originally aired on January 9th. 1994. It is, like you guys said, entitled The Alternate. Uh, The IMDb description is as follows. Odo and Dr. Maura Pohl, Odo's quote, father, end quote, discover a life form similar to Odo on a Gamma Quadrant planet. And that's pretty much all that happens. I don't think there's a B plot for this. I think this is straight up Odo. B plot is that Jake doesn't want to listen to Klingon opera and do his homework. I think that's just like a one opening scene, though. All right, it's right. I know, but why the fuck is it in there? Is there a B plot, or is there? There's the pre-credit scene with Odo and Quark, which is actually just leads into the A plot. Yes, and then there's one scene with uh, a father and son, which is thematic on point with this episode. Oh, I, I get. Okay, good. So, what about this? The B plot where Bashir is probably going to stop horn dogging after Dax pretty soon. <laughs> that's, that's not another B plot. That that's just at some point they the writer decides let us give a line or two to every character to try and define something about that character. Because O'Brien gets one, except O'Brien at least is talking to Quark and Cisco on the comm line. Yeah, but O'Brien's actually doing something. Yeah, yeah. He's like investigating, so like that's fine. <laughs> but, and so his little personal banter about his wife and whatnot fits in. Like, like right, yeah, that's yeah. fine. But the Bashir scene was just goofy. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll get to that, right? I guess so. Let's take. Let's let's, let's talk about the episode, and we'll talk about the tangential weird shit. That why was it in there? <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh yeah. So it opens up with Quark is trying to sell a dead Ferengi, which 
is Ferengi funeral customs, which has been established. Not as well as here, though. No. I wish it was established in the last episode as well as they do here. Because it actually, I got a feel for like, you know, that it's sort of like, yeah, though, that's so Ferengi. You know, like it was almost well thought out where it just seemed like weird in the Nagus episode last season. But no, I liked it here. I liked all of that stuff. I thought it was well done and, and well done. Yeah, yeah. It informed Ferengi culture and informed Odo that he was right, right. legitimately wanting to buy a piece of a Ferengi. Of Plague, the guy who created the modular hollow suite. Yes. Maybe this is just a bit of uber fandom nerddom that like, okay, maybe that's because Ferengi's, I read this uh, Treconomics book all about the economies of Next Generation and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wait, but if everything's free, how do the Ferengis have anything that they can sell or whatever? Yeah. It's like, well, this isn't a regular hollow suite. These are modular hollow suites that you can set up brothels in. Mm. Who knows? The hollow suite on Enterprise, that's the flagship of the Federation. Maybe their hollow suite is like the sweetest, most high class, you know, hollow suite that you can get on a ship. Mm-hmm. Whereas Plague, who Quirk is selling real or fake pieces of his dead body, made them modular hollow suite. So either he invented something they could sell or he renamed it in Ferengi custom and just came up with some bullshit thing they could sell as a hollow suite. Yeah, yeah. And I did like that he described it as creating profit centers from, from peoples who can't feed themselves. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, that that it was a well-phrased line to just say, yeah, no, we're totally ripping off poor people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so That's all I really had to say about that opening scene, except that it opens, and then Odo, Dr. Mora... Mm-hmm shows up and then with his cool hair his cool cool hair yeah like father like son hair you know i guess that i should put this is the point to bring up that this episode was written conceived and like went into production with the idea that renee abergenois would play mora whoa really yeah they're doing he wanted to be brit spiner of ds9 huh wow yeah no i think they i think they wanted him to i think it was like their idea yeah yeah and so, but the the cost and the delays from having to take him in and out of makeup. Oh, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, just would have stretched. Uh, they, like, from what was normally a seven-day shooting schedule to a 14-day shooting schedule, so it would have been really costly. So <laughs> They were like, this episode's not that great. No, it would have been <laughs> I pushed it into golden hour for no reason. They're looking at this script, and they're like, ah, you know what? <laughs> we can kind of half-ass this. Though. All right, so oh, this is an interesting point. So you you didn't think this epi- you didn't like this episode for that much. You didn't think it was that great, huh? Well, I I don't think it's worth blowing the budget for the whole season. Yeah, no. I think it's a fine episode. I think it's look, we're we were in the nadir of the season. I think. Uh huh. Yeah. And I think we're climbing our way out. And this episode is helping us climb our way out. I still think we're in the nader. See, I, I kind of hate. I actually. Do I, you, oh, you think this is? I don't like this episode. I don't know. I don't like it at all. I actually really like this episode. I was trying to, and I really wanted to. I thought Doctor Mora. I think I'm in the middle. I think I'm because I think Doctor, the actor who plays Doctor Mora, has a sort of enthusiasm that's sort of infectious. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. And I and he's charismatic. Uh, James. Sloan? Yeah. I don't know. I I know he's one of those actors that you see in a ton of stuff. He played a Romulan uh, before. Yeah, he's in a ton of Star Trek stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's done other stuff. You're like, oh yeah, that guy. And he's very charismatic and fun to watch. And Mora's interesting. 
because he has a real zeal for science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you think Doctor Mora could like go into a, a Bajoran elementary school and get kids excited about science? <laughs> yeah, and it's not a like like a what the fuck is this shit episode? Like maybe last week's was like that. <laughs> I kind of liked last week too. I'm, well, I'm the, I think I could argue in the third act. I'm the asshole that likes the stuff. I guess. <laughs> no, in, in the third act, it could be uh, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah, no, yeah, could, it, it, it wasn't that. But I mean, on the premise, the elevator pitch is not like, oh, that's awful. No, the elevator pitch is like, okay, no, it's good. Show me what you got, you know. And the first act kind of works. I even thought. Oh yeah. I I I like the third act. I don't get it. I don't even think I understand it. I gotta be honest with you, and I may be dumb. No, I no. don't. Well, that's not your fault, James. Okay. okay. My whole well, the second time I watched this, I actually liked it more. Tell but, me, tell me again, tell me again, Hugh. Tell me it's not my no. fault. Yeah, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your it's fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Shut up. Shut the fuck. No. No. Okay. So. <laughs> you're not my dad. Whoa, but, whoa, whoa. Where'd that come from? You're not my dad. That's, yeah. You're just talking about this episode, man. It's all about dad issues. <laughs> I don't get it, and I and I tried, and I watched it twice today, and like I really worked on it. I, I don't know, but let, we'll talk through it. Let's talk through it. But uh, yeah, part of part of what I liked about it is also going to get into what my I would have changed. Okay, because this episode, after a certain point, it just turns into a a horror movie where there it's like Alien or The Thing. I feel like were the big things they were pulling from. The, yeah, yeah, yes. For this movie, they don't want to. Comp- I mean, that, you're right. That's probably what they were talking about in the writers' room. There's been a lot of ripoffs of The Thing, and this is and then the best horror stuff. Like Alien is all about pregnancy and body horror and stuff, and this this is kind of the same similar things because Odo's a yeah Odo turns into a Lovecraft monster in this episode, basically. And so in that sense, I'm okay that they don't explain everything. They leave some things like kind of nebulous. But in other ways, there's some things that I feel like they could have explained better. And I'll save that for the end. Okay, let's just dive into the ending. Well, okay. like before we even get there. Wait, wait oh, a minute. We should back up. You're throwing in Lovecraft. I feel like I gotta like, okay. I already spoiled it by saying that he turns into a Lovecraft monster because the whole thing is also like a mystery of right of what it's a mystery of what who made the goo they, well no, let me like first off first act they go to a, a planet and they find some weird obelisk uh-huh. and a potential life form they take it back to the station it escapes and then it's attacking yeah and then then every everything's shot dark like aliens yeah or three or something and there's this thing that has escaped onto the station and they have to figure out what's going on they even throw in these hints that maybe Dax is they throw in real subtle things like try to to try and to make you think I, I don't think they were subtle but yeah you're right I mean well, the specifically yeah, well, yeah. the why did you move it thing that was a weird sequence. yeah and when she comes in before that she even she she hugs it and touches it in a weird way she touches it weird and yeah and and they're like oh I think it must have been the life form it's like no it couldn't have been and it's like why is she so sure of that it's like they're clearly trying to set up to make you suspect that mm. Dax is not yeah, Dax. It almost even had a music cue, like, ba-da-da-da, yeah, yeah. like, you know. And it's totally them trying to do the thing. John Carpenter's the thing. Yes, yeah. Okay, yeah, so you have that. But what I don't, okay. First off, it doesn't kill anybody. It just escapes. So is there another? Or does it escape, or was it, or does it escape, or was something else? Okay, so Odo just, Odo is the thing, right? Because he hates or he has some sort of deep neuroses, or is he infected by something? They don't answer. He is infected by something. Literally, at some point, Bashir says, well, that's all over, and I don't understand it, but you're better. You're right. Right, but right. they do say that the, the gas 
has been cleared from his system. Yeah, okay. He doesn't understand it, but they'd still kind of acknowledge. Okay, so he gets that, like a disease, and be- that the gas is what made him that crazy. It's a little unclear though. Yeah, and he clearly has uh, like a antipathy towards Mara that he doesn't express throughout the episode. No, but he also has an affinity for him too. Like even from the beginning, when Mora first shows up, sure. he's clearly a father figure, and Odo clearly doesn't like it. But in a, but in negative ways too. Huh? Yeah, that's the strongest stuff of the episode. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree with that because what we're talking about is the relationship between Odo and his adopted father figure, who never wanted him to leave Bajor, but uh, Odo pressed up against that and fought against it and struck out on his own and was successful. Mm -hmm. And now his father figure gets to see him in his element on his own, be successful. And they have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And they have to deal with those issues that they never resolved with him leaving. Yeah. Uh, Mora always thought he would come back. All that stuff is more interesting than the central mystery. I agree. If the central mystery wasn't, um, they're trying to shoehorn in like a murder mystery or there's some sort of mystery for the detective to solve. And the twist is, is that Odo is hunting himself. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not very satisfying because nobody understands how it works. Odo is Grover, and he's the monster at the end of the book. <laughs> is the monster at the end. <laughs> so okay, so so he gets infected, which causes him to like sleepwalk essentially. Yeah, the whole infection thing is kind of weird. So but. the goop in the petri dish is a red herring. Yeah, and that's it. right. I don't know. And he breaks in to get the goop and kills that, and that's what O'Brien finds when he's like. I found goop, but it's dead goop. Right, but he also hears the goop before he finds the dead goop, which is unconfusing because Odo's in the room. He's not the one making the noise, but O'Brien hears something. And he has that great, the O'Brien dialogue where he explains, nobody tell my wife about this. And then he's kind of talking to himself, but kind of talking to Cisco and Uh Odo about like, oh, you know, she asked me how my day was and I just say nothing strange happened and I... I choose to tell her that because otherwise she would not be able to sleep or whatever. Uh-huh. That's full like alien horror movie because then he goes and finds the the dead oh, yeah. shapeshifter like, and he's like, ah, oh shit. And you think everyone's like, oh my God. Oh, it's like the Harry Dean Stanton scene in Alien. Yeah, yeah. Where he's having the same conversation with himself mm-hmm. while looking at the leaking water pipe. Mm. Yeah, okay, so, but okay. Odo kills the goop for some reason. Well, maybe my... My hypothesis is that it's a weird, he has to kill his brother kind of thing. But it's not like Ode. I wish they'd played up that that the thing was a relative of Odo's more. And then also even a weird jealousy thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. I think this was all about like he, not hates. Hates is a strong word. But he wants Mora far away from him. And not fucking with his life on Deep Space Nine. Dad, I love you, but go the fuck home. He's got estranged father issues, which, you know. Yes. And then the best horror stuff is about. He's got like ego rabies. Like his id and his ego are separated. And his ego's got rabies. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Ego rabies. And so he's, what the fuck? I, I, yeah, okay. All of this could have been clearer and sharper and more dramatic. And it all culminates in this sequence where o- Odo, looking like some sort of monster from an early Doom game, comes out and gets caught in some sort of net. And then, like, everything's fine. And then, like, they say, well, <laughs> I don't understand what was going on there. And then Odo says, like, Dad, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that this was going Or more, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. I had no idea. I felt this way is what he said. Right. About why? That he was 
that antagonistic. But we're inferring all this. We're inferring all this. See, I'm okay living with the ambivalence a little bit more. A little bit. I think it was accidental, though. I think that's what James's gripe is: is that we're ambivalent. That his his antipathy yeah, towards pers- his father was accidental. That's what you think? No, no, no. I'm saying that, that how, this, how they convey it. Yeah, they don't like. Okay, I'm not saying that they have to say. I mean, I'm a fan of sophisticated drama, nuance. I'm saying that, like... Well, Mora's whole thing is that they had a huge falling out when Odo left Bajor, and they had a fight, a bad fight. Mm -hmm. His dad comes in, he still loves his father, even though he won't admit to him being his father. And I thought their interactions and their father-son stuff was pretty good, personally. I I agree with all that. I agree with all that. And then, and Odo represses everything. He's Mm -hmm. like, you know, any affection or anything. Every time he tries to get a compliment, he's like, oh, whatever. And then, and this anger that his dad is trying to get him to go back to Bajor and do science stuff with him is pushed down to his subconscious. And he encounters this artifact or this alien thing. This your classic horror movie. We find something we don't understand that sublimate that brings out all our sublimated impulses that we bottle down inside, and that somehow finds release and tries to kill people. That's classic horror movie stuff. And that's what I liked about this episode, that that stuff was all there. And he basically turns into a Shoggoth, if we're, I think that might be a, a Lovecraft monster that might be equivalent. I'm not familiar with that term. And I thought that the way that the monster looked, and it was kind of cheap 3D and claymation almost looking stuff. It's yeah. probably some computer stuff. I liked the way it looked. And then he turns into the rock monster from Mega Man, but whatever. Yes, he does. When, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was actually thinking the, is it the rock... Who's the one that's the the gold bubble man at the end of Mega Man 2 with the one red eye? Yeah, that's the rock monster I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's what he looks (laughs) like. We're we're all thinking of the same (laughs) Mega Man back then. Yes. yes. I don't disagree with anything you said. And I don't think that what the show you just described to me is I feel like better than the one I watched today. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's interesting that we disagree on father stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, no. I agree. No, I'm not. I okay. I think that the the Mora interactions are great. Are, are better than father. They're fine. Yeah. Let's not oversell. Yeah. They're fine. They're not a bad idea. They're a good idea. They're impulsive. Like how he hinpecks hinpecks Odo is through trying to describe the natural feelings that Odo, the social cues and the sort of subtleties of social interaction that Odo doesn't understand. And like that, that I, you know, and Odo. It's not even that he doesn't understand. He's just being an overbearing father saying, oh, your friends are saying nice things about you. And he's like, no, shut up, dad. You know, like, oh, no, they're just making fun of me. Like, yeah. And I like that, that, but that's the, what he's choosing to do that, that Quark is just trying to talk you up good to someone who's important to you. So that means that Quark likes mm-hmm. and all of these sort of weird things that he's not picking up on or that he doesn't give a shit about, but that the irritation <laughs> that it's constantly coming up, the scene in the, or the forced scientists with slick back hair getting the runabout, they, every one of them, like that scene where he's talking to Dax about, let me tell you about when Odo was found. And he's like, Odo, go ahead and tell it. Odo stops ta- starts talking and immediately the father interrupts. Yeah, yeah. That's great stuff. That's I mean the impulses in those scenes, the beats in those scenes are great. Like it just everything kind of like goes to shit after How many writers were on this, James? Do you know off the top of your head? Because uh, it seems like this is something that had a couple passes on just because at when they go down to the planet and they get the monolith, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The monolith has got more importance, I'm sure, in one draft than it did in the final draft. Yeah. The monolith are where most of my questions about this episode or things that I would change. 
Um, actually, the monolith is the symbol for... The Dominion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see it. It's the Dominion symbol. It's unlike, it's put on all the planets that they've conquered or whatever. So it comes back, so they don't forget it. But yeah, it, it, it's definitely totally unexplained. And Dax's attraction to it is red herring to the point of being distracting. Yeah. And I feel like that. And then also like this goop seems to be important. Like it's why they're going out there. But like it's not important. Because we never find out what exactly it is. Yeah. And so like no one ever goes like, holy. Like I get that. Like, oh, you were trying to kill me. And that was really awful. And this gas really fucked us up. But like, God damn it. The worst thing about it is we lost the sample. You know? Yeah. Nobody acknowledges the issue. That's that's that was something I noticed too. Yeah, the writer, just to answer your question, the, the book, the show is written by Jim, Jim Trebetta, who uh, came up with the story with Bill Dial, who I think was, both of these are just writer's room backbenchers this season. Mm-hmm. And then Trebetta wrote for this season and then went, moved on to Voyager once Voyager started. Uh, you know, so this is, from what I can tell, this is one of their bigger writing contributions. Mm-hmm. But I know that it was, uh, I know that Pillar was heavily involved in sort of shepherding it through. Yeah. Even though he didn't take a writer's credit on it. And it was the last episode directed by David Carson before he went off to direct the Generations movie. Okay. See, I thought it was directed kind of well. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. It's like they do that whole, because they shot it like a horror movie. Like everything's so dark. And like, okay, they're Mm -hmm. trying to do... See, I think part of the reason why you appreciate this particular episode, Wade, is because you have a cultural vocabulary to explain to yourself what you're seeing. Maybe. And and I think maybe that if you're just watching a Star Trek episode where you're trying to get some good character interaction, you're going to be left cold by the third act. Because this episode teases you with some good character stuff up front and then Mm -hmm. drops a lot of it. See... I thought the character stuff, like the first time I watched it with the Amora and Odo arc, it's Mora and then he and then Mora him don't get along, and then he has that moment with Dax where he's like, "Oh, maybe I will have to get used to him not coming back." The idea that he's not going to come back to the lab with me. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. the first time I saw it, and then they go to that argument scene with Odo and Mora, where Mora confronts him and says, "You're the one that they're looking for." And he's like, no, and it gets very dramatic. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, is he being infected by the... F- yeah, I don't even understand that scene because... The first time I saw it, the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't know if I bought that evil dad scene. And then the second time I watched it, I realized that how it works so much better for me. It's like, he's not being an evil dad. They should have played it up a little bit more when he, him and Dax are in the lab and he's looking at it and he recognizes that the DNA pattern of the monster that attacked Bashir is Odo. Right. And then he he pointedly asked Dax, oh, how long do you think before the computer gets a match? And she's like, it'll be t- a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. And like, he already knows what the match is going to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's him. It's not him being an evil dad. It's trying to buy us some time. Him trying to protect Odo. It's him going back, trying to save his son, saying nobody will understand. They're going to turn on you. You have to come back with me. You're the monster, and then Odo gets all dramatic and angry about it. And and it's not him being an evil dad. It's him being a loving father trying to protect his son, who's like, no, you don't understand. They're going to turn on you. And then Odo goes back, and it's like a drunk father-son fight where it's like, I don't trust you. It's like, what do you mean you don't trust me? And it really hurts him, and so he just gets mean right back at him. I thought that was the character work in that was I really appreciated, especially the second time through, that I just wish they had 
played it up better. I wish they had sold it more clearly that he realized when he goes to confront Odo that he's like, oh my God, my son's a monster. I need to save my son because these people are going to, if they find out, they might try to kill him. Yes, I agree with all that. I think that a, I think just in general, sort of a broad, let me, now that I'm looking at it, the entire mystery of what happened is pretty small potatoes. Right. Like, if someone died, that would have been interesting. Then you actually have, like, if there's a moral compunction. But as it is, it's like a little bit of goop got off. We got to search for it. But they show all of this sort of, the whole show sort of, you know, Siskel's called at night and has come down there in his pajamas and then everybody's got to do this. And it's like all this stuff, but the stakes for what actually happened are pretty low. You also already have these weird sort of, you have Dax acting weird, period, which is like them trying to be clever by half and like throwing you off the scent of the murder mystery that's not a murder. Yeah, they should have killed somebody, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a the escape mystery. They escape mystery. Yeah. They well, why s- don't we get into what we would change then? I think that might be a good... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, like, I feel like it was just, with what I'm talking about, with what I would change, is that each little beat just was fuzzy. And with a murder mystery, these things have to be taught. And so, like, I don't... Even knowing it the second time... Like, I was like, yeah, they spent a lot of time making Dax seem, you know, seem sort of loopy and crazy. And then another thing with, like, with each of the people, Dr. Weld is awake. He thinks he'll be fine. There was just a lot of dead time in this episode when I felt like they they rushed the ending. And they don't ever fully explain what the fuck was going on. Because they say, yeah, maybe, maybe the thing interacted with me in a way. Maybe I got infected, too. Just not in the same way that you guys did. Odo says that. And, and they go, maybe, you know, so that is now the like what was a hypothesis is now like true. I, yeah, I f- because they don't ever go back and like they don't ever put a pin in that. And then they don't. Ever- to me, it was pretty clear that the gas interacted with Odo. But what exactly it did. I liked that Bashir was like, I don't know. I'm I can't figure it out. But I'm, a, I'm okay with ambivalence of that. But OK, so it's not also it's neuro- it is Odo's neuroses responding, acting out negative. Or is he being taken over by, like, a crazy serial killer, like, personality virus, like we've had uh, multiple times before? You know, Mm -hmm. again, I don't know. But it seems like for the show to have any sort of emotional impact, it should just be he... It's like bedwetting when you're nervous or like I can't or or, uh, insomnia. I get insomnia. I get insomnia when things kind of stress me out. Like he's stressed out by his father just being there and he doesn't hate his father because Odo's black and white. Odo, Odo likes order. Quark, though, is probably his best friend, is a bad guy because Quark does bad things. There's no gray with Odo. And so, like, so these complicated feelings that you have for a man who you admire and who helped you out and has done nothing bad to you at all, but, like, giving a lot of himself, you kind of hate him and you kind of want him away from you. And you don't necessarily know why because it's complex emotions. And that responds by him acting out in these sort of kind of violent ways while he's asleep, like sleepwalking, to push his father out of Deep Space Nine. That is more interesting to me, and I think that's kind of like what they did. Yeah. Because he was like, I don't, I, I, you know, like at the end he was like, I think we need to have small doses of visits for each other, you know, but I had no idea that I was, uh, that I felt this way, is what he said. Right, I wish you didn't have to, yeah, Odo apologizes and then he says, I wish that wasn't the only way you, I would have listened. What, yeah. <laughs> you turning into a monster and attacking people. Yes, that's exactly, that's exactly right. So it seems to me the thing that I would change 
is I just get rid of the goddamn virus because it just complicates things. Right. Odo is sleepwalking. We're, I was when Odo has complicated emotional feelings. He this maybe is what happens. Well, see, and I think that you guys are finding better ways to to unpack the the emotional distress Mora brings to Odo by his presence. My the way I was what I was going to change was to make it a completely different different episode <laughs> and just not have it be a, and just and just not have it not be a monster episode because my whole problem is is that we've talked about Deep Space Nine being a show of obligations. We've talked about certain tropes within Star Trek that uh, uh, every new iteration of Star Trek feels the need to visit, I suppose. One thing that we talked about is that every series, Star Trek series, has its own special man. Every Trek has a special man. And we agreed early that Odo is the special man of, of Star Trek Deep Space Nine in their tradition of Spock mm-hmm. and Data. And one thing that they always do with the special man is turn him into some sort of bad guy where he can't like, where they can't trust him, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is sort of at this point, a little bit of a trope. And I, and I kind of felt like that going through this episode. And I felt like that trope was getting in the way of, of the, what they're trying to express with Mora and Odo. Now I was, I'm probably wrong. Because I wasn't looking through the lens that Wade was looking through with when he's talking about how it fits in with the the history of, of body horror and and horror. You know, I wasn't looking at it through those through that particular lens. So what my solution was to change was to make whenever they go down to the planet, make the stakes more rooted in science where there is a problem and Mora and Odo have to like work together scientifically to solve a problem and the stakes maybe maybe dax is ill and they have to find a cure i mean even that is a star trek trope in in and of itself where two people have to like work to solve a problem yeah but it's it's out of the two tropes the the special man turning bad is is the one that irritates me the most and not only that but like the special man turning bad is also probably the most famous star trek episode I would think which one the pon pon yeah. far either way yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's what I was yeah saying. well pon far and then later when uh, when lore takes control of data yeah that's I mean true. it's yeah. just it I'm just it comes up over and over and and this is just the entry into yeah yeah I didn't even see yeah it totally is or it could have been yeah and it feels like a kind of yeah yeah I didn't make that connection either until you were talking about that all right yeah no I would even like the one thing that I would like about that that has some sort of foundation in what they're talking about is that they actually go. The father even tries to create some sort of bridge between him and Odo by talking about the similarities between science and criminal investigations. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, scene. that was to, you know. Yeah. yeah, I like that scene too. I like all of the like all of the interactions. The 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 bones of this episode aren't bad. No. Yeah, aren't bad at all. But I and and you get good stuff between the the father and the son stuff. All works because those actors are good and the scenes are fine written mm-hmm. and like they they bridge. Just it's like. The bones are great. I just feel like it needs to. Yeah, that that kind of goes to what I, I, I didn't like the final animal. <laughs> yeah, that kind of goes to what I, I would I mean to prove our point. Julian at the end has to say, "I don't understand what happened, but it happened." <laughs> See, yeah, the fact that a character has to do that at the end doesn't bode very well for it. I suppose. Yeah. See, I actually liked that he couldn't explain it, but well, I my how I would have changed it because I felt like this whole episode 
Sorry. That was the, that's the <laughs> trilithium wade weavers of like we got the trilithium wade. No, particles. no, no. It's if you're making a fucking horror movie and you're doing the way, then you can't explain everything. You don't explain that's like if you're into like China Mieville is really in, has a good theory about what makes monsters scary and everything. Yeah, is the th- it's what you don't explain and the shadows that make a good horror movie monster. What you don't show. And if you don't explain it, so basically what I would change, because I this whole setup is set up, they go to a planet, it's like Alien or any Lovecraft story where they go on an expedition, they find this weird, you know, in Lovecraft especially, they find a tablet that nobody can read and it's got some weird mm-hmm. occult writing on it. And that's what happens basically. But they kind of don't, they should have followed, I wish they'd followed through more and said, because we have this obelisk, this pillar that they bring back that they never explain. Yeah. And and I know my whole thing is you don't have to explain everything, but you have to explain that, that there is a mystery. Yes. You at least have to, have to acknowledge that there is this mysterious object. We don't know what it did. Right. And if they had gone and they go to this planet and they find these ruins, which if it were Lovecraft, it would be described as Cyclopean for some reason. <laughs> Because that's a word he uses all the time. <laughs> but they should have explained it as something bad happened on this planet. Why is there no life form here? Oh, my God. And, you know, that they should have set it up better that there was a catastrophe here, that something bad happened. That's all they had to do. Mm-hmm. And say, and then maybe this pillar has something to do with it. It's like, like any horror movie. If it were a Hellraiser movie, the pillar would be the puzzle box. That's what they take and they shouldn't have. Yes. yes. And then so mm-hmm. and then they take it and then this earthquake happens. And they had no reason to take it. They had no reason to take it. They were there to look for the sample, the organic sample. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They take this thing for well, that bothered me too. Yeah. Do they use isn't there some sort of architectural prime protocol? Yeah. Right, right. You well, you just don't swipe shit off a planet. Apparently they took the keystone for the planet because it started erupting or something. And yeah. <laughs> which is fine if that's which is exactly why the protocols are probably in place so stuff like that doesn't happen yeah 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 well if it were a civilization that were still existent it would be totally against the prime directive i guess but but they're bajorans they're not federation they can i guess they're not beholden to the prime directive sure but whatever but anyways so yeah they take this thing and and they have the life form and i would have gone out of the way to explain they have that pillar explain that there's something on the pillar. They never figure it out, and then they just drop it. They say mm-hmm. they should decipher it enough to say that something bad happened on this planet, and the other little alien life form they pick up that they just kill, and it's like, oh, well, never mind. It should have been like a corrupted monster version of Odo. That's what the mon- That's what they brought back. They shouldn't have brought it back. Maybe Odo knows that. Maybe that's why he broke in and killed it. Maybe. Or maybe he broke in because it was a weird mm-hmm. jealousy over his father thing, or both, if you found a way to do that. Mm-hmm. Make it do that a little bit. But anyways, they should have explained that the monster that they break back, they don't know what happened. Something bad happened here, and there's something ominous about this pillar. They don't spend enough time doing that. They should have done that's what they should have done. Yeah. And then you, you don't have to explain what happened. You just say something bad happened. That's yeah. Because as it stands, because as it stands right now, the pillar itself is a red herring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just like Dax is a red herring. So like yeah, the whole thing. Right. They spend all this time. Maybe we can decipher it. Well, at least figure something out and just. But they just don't. They just drop it. And mm-hmm. 
Like, you don't have to explain everything, but you have to explain that there's an unexplained mystery. You know? Yeah. They don't... Right. I think that's, that is that is the core of what our problem is with this episode. Yeah. Something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that you're hunting yourself, but I was like, are they... Is it really that kind of crisis? I mean, like, do, is it a... It's not a murder mystery. It's just, a, like, yeah. a sample escaped. The other thing so is, So, like, yeah, if a lab rat... A, if a lab rat escaped, would it be, like, an Odo fucking mystery? I mean... Right. The, one, the, the other thing to make the show work would be, yeah, you, you need to kill somebody if you're gonna go through all this trouble to do, a basically, a horror movie episode. Exactly. Make, but they can't yes. kill anybody because then then you would have to deal with Odo's guilt for murdering someone. Well, you, you have... So... Well, you you can get around that, for instance, by saying if the life form they bring back is some corrupted changeling monster, that, that that's why the planet's barren. Have the monster kill somebody. Odo breaks in and kills the monster in his sleep. So he's saved people, but at the same time, he's also got these father issues. And so there's two monsters. That's how you do it. Odo and the other thing. Yeah. He turns into a monster because of the gas. The gas is what corrupted this other pre-changeling into a monster on the planet that has gotten onto the station. But even now in the episode, it's kind of weird because O'Brien hears a noise and it he finds the dead life forms like, yeah, okay, did he hear anything? Or have they set something up <laughs> going all the way back to the O'Brien gets a puppy episode where he hears th- hears things that nobody else does. He has some sort of special. He's a <laughs> like the computer. Which it sounds different. You hear that? It's like no, nobody hears that. I heard that. Do you hear? No, we don't hear anything. Yeah, that's not what they did. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you guys you guys want to get into where we think this landed on the IMDb scale? Oh, uh, I'm gonna say that it, okay, like it's it's a hoot to see his father. I, I'm gonna say it's in the mid sixes. Let's go six point five, seven point one, six point seven right. out of ten. Uh, Five hundred and fourteen people. Like you know, one one um, written review by a IMDb user says at the says this is an okay episode, but not especially exciting or outstanding. Mildly interesting, <laughs> but nothing memorable. So I think I think uh, username Plankton rules. Oh, uh, oh, that he's he's our go-to uh, IMDb he's, guy. He's a, he's the one that oh, reviewed yeah. them all. Plankton well, rules. Well, the last time we we had. Yeah. Your favorite episode he that he actually liked. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The one where they... Dramatis, dramatis Personae. Yeah, so shout out to Plankton Rules. Yes. I'm going to start writing reviews under uh, Mr. Crab right. Rules, and then I will write... Uh, I'm going to write alternative reviews on IMDb. I was just kidding. But Plankton Rules, and then what? Uh, Mr. Crab. Mr. Crabby Patty. Mr. Crab. Huh? It's a, Plankton Rules is a, is a SpongeBob reference. Oh, okay. I don't have kids. <laughs> oh wait, Wade didn't know that. I guess not. I don't. He doesn't have kids. I mean, it, 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 it came out after. Oh yes, it came out when he was a grown up. So. Yeah, I do work well. So uh, next week, what do we got to look for, forward to, guys? It's a Julian and O'Brien episode again. A two and oh. two and three oh, weeks. Oh boy. Um, and going back to the well on that. Yeah, huh? I think they're still. Kind of, it's uh, Iris Stephen Bear uh, had a hand in the screenplay. Oh, your favorite. Oh uh, boy! It's called the Armageddon Game, and they're researching. Yeah, I know this has got all the earmarks. They're playing Eschaton. Uh, they're researching some sort of attic. <laughs> yeah, they're playing Eschaton. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best. Uh, it's all just David Foster Wallace references. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't you so hate we'll that if that. they had a shitty? Yeah. 
O'Brien. Uh, That's David Foster Wallace inspired. It's yes. like all, it's all infinite jazz references, and you can't like it. <laughs> and it's awful. It's kind of like I mean they use Eschaton in that on a Decemberist video. Yeah, I don't yeah. like it, the Decemberist that much. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, eh. but. <laughs> <laughs> all right yes so that's that wraps it up for this week uh i guess this is the point where we just say three to beam out all right beam out all right okay that was the alternate uh, at the time it seemed that james really did not like the episode wade really liked the episode and i was sort of somewhere in between it seems to me i kind of like the dr mora stuff i thought the relationship showing the relationship between Dr. Mora and Odo was was really strong and interesting, but uh, I really did not care for the monster movie element of this episode. Uh, in my research, when I look, look back to kind of look up the things that we talked about, one of the things we mentioned was how they wanted to have Rene Abajunois play Dr. Mora, and we didn't mention that Robert, the great Robert Picardo played the Doctor's creator, Louis Zimmerman, in, in uh, Voyager. And that's something that also happened. It kind of makes the circle complete with the special man playing their own creator in the show. Um, one of the things that kept on coming up in this episode of the Rules of Acquisition was the connection to Lovecraft and Lovecraftian elements that Wade kept on pointing out. So I found that really interesting. I felt at the time when we originally recorded it in 2016 that I was really missing out on not picking up <laughs> these elements. Wade is very well versed in fantasy and monsters and D&D, the history of it. He's That's a strong suit for him and I kind of felt like I was out in the cold with that. So I did some research and I tried to find some connections uh, with the Lovecrafting and mythos, 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 <laughs> and the creators of this episode, and I couldn't find anything. It turns out everything I read, they were just doing dumb horror and monster stuff, and I think Wade was giving them a little bit more credit. I think these guys were a little bit, uh, were coming at it like a lower place uh, when it comes to crafting this particular episode. I don't think they were digging that deep into the lineage of monsters. Um, Michael Pillar, uh, he said, quote, I like this show. It's the closest thing we've ever done to a monster movie. And the hardest part was to keep the secret that Odo was the one that was actually doing it. I had to throw in a bunch of red herrings. So there you go. That's from the Captain's Log Supplemental, the Unauthorized Guide to the New Trek Voyagers. Um, it's uh, that that kind of explains why we had a. It was kind of messy in the earlier acts, I think. The guy who directed the episode, David Carson, was pleased with the episode. Quote: I enjoyed the alternate. It had a lot of different colors and interesting stuff in it, end quote. So <laughs> that's not exactly a ringing endorsement of your work, I think. Saying it had a lot of colors and interesting stuff seems like a polite way of <laughs> saying nothing about the episode. 
Um, there is a book, I guess, called Beyond the Final Frontier, and its authors seem to want to make a connection between this episode and the movie The Forbidden Planet. Quote, inspiration for the Star Trek in the first place, Odo's bestial form strongly resembles the id monster edited in that movie. End quote. So I'll kind of have to take their word for it. I'm not sure that's exactly what they were going for. When I look up the special effects monster design, um, you end up getting Glenn Newfield's super special effects supervisor. Uh, his quote about not being happy with how the how the episode turned out, mostly due to the fact that he feels the audience sees too much of the monster. Here's his quote. Quote, I figured out the way the script was written, by my timing, we'd be looking for the creature for a minute and a half of screen time. 30 cuts between 3 and 15 seconds each at various times in the show. I was forced to point out that in the movie Alien, up to the moment where we really see it, there's only 100 frames of the creature. And do we really want to see our creature all that time? And of course, the answer was yes. End quote. So, it seems... Like for the most part, even if they're trying to do a monster movie, they're not—they're bungling it. They're not even doing that right. So, my research after visiting—you know, haven't haven't you know visited this episode since 2016. I was excited to dig deep into it and find out what I was missing. I—it turns out I wasn't missing too much. It's kind of a messy episode, kind of screwing up the genre that they're going after and. It's poorly structured. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can't win them all. They have to put out a lot of TV shows. And not all of them are going to be bangers. So, all right. Anyway, thanks for listening to this remix. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you come back next time when we visit another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. One to be out. Did you know that I miss it when shows used to have 26 episodes a season? Clearly writers had tons of ideas and productions had tons of money to pull off those ideas. Clearly the best actors loved the idea of joining a show that would take up so much time. If it didn't work guys then you would have just a bunch of boring bullshit that goes nowhere. That is just not what you see. Yeah, I'm still getting over the Kanye, thanks for asking.